0: Well good morning once again. Hope that y'all are doing well. Uh, Man, it is a joy to be up here preaching God's Word to you. My name is Marco. I serve as the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. And uh, as Tony just read, uh, we're going to find ourselves in Psalm 27. We're looking at verses 13 to 14 this morning. And so while you're opening or loading your Bible, let me just give you a couple of quick updates and then we will dive right into our time. The first one is connect cards. There should be some connect cards in the chairs uh, that you're seated seated in. Uh, We'd love to hang out with you. We'd love to pray for you. Fill one out, leave it in the back connect desk, and uh, one of us will get back with you within the week. In addition to that, if you don't have a Bible, let us hook you up. We have Bibles for you. That's our gift to you. Uh, Further, if you know someone that could use a Bible, then take one and hook them up. Give them the gift of God's Word. And then finally, number, number three, this is an update. You might see this on the announcement video later on this morning, but this is an update regarding the men's gathering. It's uh, scheduled for this coming Saturday. It's going to be postponed due to a conflict in scheduling. And so we're just going to move it to August. Uh, so if that update or if that announcement is on the video, you can go ahead and disregard that. We're going to move the men's gathering to the month of August. Good times. Once more, that's all I got for you. Once more, we're going to find ourselves in Psalm 27, verses 13 to 14. And today we, we get to land the plane that is Psalm 27. So I hope that you have found the beauty of this psalm encouraging. I hope that you have found it convicting, but also comforting thus far. So as we conclude our study with verses 13 and 14, I want to open up with a question for you. And here's what it is. Actually, I have several of them. But here's what the the first question is. When it comes to waiting, are you passive? Are you passionate? Or are you patient? I'll ask you one more time. When it comes to waiting... Are you passive, passionate, excuse me, passionate, or patient? We're gonna pull up Mr. Rogers. I'm gonna count 10 seconds. Your job is to think. If you are passive, you may lean towards in seasons of waiting you may lean towards apathy. And in apathy, you might find yourself isolated or withdrawing yourself from the circumstance, from community, fill in the blank. If you're passionate, perhaps you might lean toward activism in the sense that you are very passionate about this topic and or this season, You want everybody to know about it, you share stories on Instagram because you're cool. And in your activism, it may even lead to frustration. If you're patient, which I think is what we're striving for, if you're patient, you may be expectant and prepared in spite of what comes your way. You see, over the last year and a half, we've all walked through various seasons. All of us in here, we've walked through various seasons. Some of those seasons have uh, involved great hardship and confusion. Some of them, for you, have had constant change and a lack of clarity. For others, it may simply be a season where you are anticipating the return of the normal, regardless Each one of us, to some degree or another, has had to wait. In light of that, here's the next question. Can we say that as we have waited, that we have waited for the Lord expectantly and desperately? Pull another Mr. Rogers. Ten seconds. Think about it. Can you say that in the seasons where you have waited, you have waited for the Lord expectantly and desperately? I know a question like that may include a follow-up question from you that may sound something like, yeah, but what does waiting on the Lord actually mean, though? And to answer that, I believe that we need to look at Psalm 27. But before that, here's the main idea of our time. Here's what I hope you walk away with. Waiting reveals who or what you worship. Waiting reveals who or what you worship. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look at verse 13. Join me in prayer. Lord, First, we thank you for allowing us to gather to worship and sit under your word this morning. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and his work done for us on the cross. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who works in us to counsel and comfort us. Lord, I know that there are many are here and are walking through difficulty, whether it's a daily struggle or simply a season of discouragement. I pray that your word would bring comfort, that it would bring conviction, but that it would also bring counsel to them this morning. I pray that those who know Jesus would come to know him better today, and that those who don't know him would come to know him this morning. In all of this, we pray for your name to be exalted, and we praise you. It is for your glory and our good. Amen. All right, we're going to start with verse 13. And verse 13 is ultimately going to help us understand or answer the question, Well, what does it mean exactly to wait on the Lord? And as we begin with verse 13, let me give you a brief summary and review of Psalm 27, especially if you are new or you've been missing out because you've been out and all that jazz. Uh, Let me give you a brief summary and review of Psalm 27. It's gonna help us uh, with a good reminder of context. Context is important, right? Uh, When it comes to Bible study, uh, one of the most important tools for interpretation is context. Just like a real estate agent will say, location, location, location. uh, When we interpret the Bible, we would say, context, context, context. Um, And so, anyway, here is a brief overview of Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is believed to have been written by King David. And for this psalm in particular, we're actually not sure what season of life King David finds himself in. We're not sure if he's being hunted. We're not sure if he's actually in the midst of battle. Uh, And we're also not sure if he's just simply thinking of the worst possible case scenarios as he points out in verses 1 through 3 so, taken at face value, we see King David walk through hardship, and it is in this hardship where he evaluates everything from his fear to his earnest and deepest desire to lament to, as we looked at last week, humility. Working through each of these emotions and each of these themes, we get to these last two verses. And and let me be clear about these two verses. King David could not have gotten to these two verses if it wasn't for the rest of the psalm. Like he's not just wrapping it up because it sounds really good and he's very poetic. It is in light of verses 1 through 12 that he gets to verses 13 and 14. And so, with that, verse 13 opens with this little phrase that reads, I believe it's important to note one thing regarding this. See, many theologians and scholars believe that in its original language of Psalm 27, verse 13, in its original language, this verse begins with uh, an added phrase. And that added phrase reads like this, I almost fainted unless I believed. Some of your Bible translations may even start with that phrase. Personally, I think it's very helpful. I think it adds depth to these verses, in particular verse 13. It gives us a little bit more context. And so for now, let's suppose that the verse does open with that in fact. I almost fainted unless I believe. Here's the first thing I want you to notice in light of verse 13, and that is belief. You can circle that word believe. If we're going to answer the question, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? Then the first answer that this psalm provides is belief in spite of circumstance or season. Additionally, if we incorporate the use of the phrase, I almost fainted unless I believed, it helps us to better understand the desperation that David is experiencing here. Again, Psalm 27 wasn't simply this prayer or this poem that came out of his creative thinking. This is a plea of desperation. And as he closes it, he begins with belief. See, David's belief, his conviction is not resting upon wishful thinking. It's not resting upon the wisdom of a catchphrase or even turning to what might sound good. But his belief is centered upon and specifically in the goodness of the Lord. It is because his belief is in the goodness of, of the Lord, that not only do we see his desperation, but it reveals the depth of his heart. It reveals who he worships. And so with that being said, here's the second thing that we notice from verse 13, and that is the character of God. Once more, David says, I believe that I shall look, you can circle that word look, I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. All right, we're going to do a little bit more thinking. I want you to think about a season you walked through where you experienced hardship or simply where you had to wait. Think about it. Now, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider whether or not the character of God was something that you looked upon in that season. I'm not here to like guilt you. And if you feel that, that's not me. But as I consider, like a couple of weeks ago, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, I got to have some time off. And... Uh, man, I recharge in solitude and by staring at some form of nature. I don't, I don't know where that came from. I just do. And so my family and I found ourselves in New Mexico, and I just stared at a mountain. Didn't climb it. Didn't appreciate it. Just stared at it. I don't know, man. Whatevs. You do you. That's me, okay? Anyway, with all that being said, <clears throat> as I was thinking back on the last six to seven months, right, I realized that Uh, I really wanted to, and at times did, pursue a great discipline for for God's Word, and at the same time thinking that discipline would uh, help my family and I just be consistent in the things that we said we'd do. And what I noticed was that my discipline was really just rooted in discipline itself, and when things didn't go so well at home, what was revealed was my control. Control over decisions, control over the culture, control over many aspects at my home and with my family. And as I was convicted about that, I then realized, man, I can't really think. Maybe a couple of times, but in the span of six to seven months, I can't actually think clearly or I can't think far enough to where, oh yeah, I did reflect and look upon the character, the goodness of God. So as you consider a season of hardship or simply where you had to wait, again, I don't know the kind of season you're in. Is the character of God something that you have looked upon? You see, when David says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord, he's talking about the character of God, and it is what he has been talking about this entire time. Let's go back to verse 4. In verse 4, David says, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek. That word seek, we've talked about it at length. It means to go and seek, go and find counsel, uh, to find counsel of the will of God, specifically through the Word of God. Additionally, David adds that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To what? To gaze upon the beauty. Of the Lord. Remember, he's not just wrapping verse 13 up because he's cool. This is something consistent with what he has been saying from the beginning. David looks and turns to the character of God. You see, the goodness of God includes his comfort and his presence. The goodness of God includes His grace and His mercy, His compassion and His steadfast love, the promise of His Word. The goodness of the Lord includes His sovereignty. The goodness of the Lord includes His immutability. That is, He is unable to change. He does not change. The goodness of the Lord includes and involves him listening to his children's prayers. The goodness of the Lord involves conviction. The significance of this verse is that David uses the character and goodness of God to interpret his circumstance, not the other way around. Now, that's that's important for you and I to, to, to sit on. He uses the character of God to interpret his circumstance. When it gets really bad or when you and I get impatient or even passive or passionate, you and I have a propensity to look at our circumstance and then interpret the character of God. In this psalm, we see David using the character of God to interpret his circumstance. Now, with that, we might even add, well, that's good for David. He was a man after God's own heart. Must be nice. He got it. But number one, you and I have never been hunted. All right? (laughs) Number two, we have what David is seeking in Jesus And God demonstrates this for us through Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says it this way, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Christian, you can turn toward the goodness of the Lord because of Jesus. finally david adds or concludes this verse by saying um he will look upon the goodness of the lord in the land of the living this is key this let me tell you why i get excited about it. but let me tell you why. this is not the afterlife When he's talking about the land of the living, he is not talking about the afterlife. And I think that's a really good thing, because often, either out of frustration or inability, Christians are mostly only told to think about God at work in their lives in light of eternity. Right? Look at eternity, look at heaven, fix your eyes on things that are above, Right? meditate on the things that are above. And that's good, that's true, that's biblical. I'm not knocking that, you heard me, okay? I'm not knocking that. That is true and biblical. And... What is comforting about this verse is that David is talking about his belief in the character of God in the right now. He's talking about the present. David believes not simply in the character of God, and he's looking at it at a distance. He believes in it because he knows that God, because of God's character, that God's going to act one way or another, on this side of eternity, God will act. Dave doesn't know when, Dave doesn't know how. He just knows that he will. And so when it comes to the question, man, how or what does it look like, Or, what does it mean, excuse me, to to wait on the Lord? Waiting on God is turning toward his character and allowing his character to interpret our circumstances and hardship. And as we transition into verse 14, verse 14 adds another question. Fine, if that's what it means, well, what does it then look like to wait on the Lord? Verse 14, God through David unpacks what this looks like. And so I want us to look at three things in light of Psalm 27 that I think is gonna, are going to help us practically. This is all from verse 14. The first one is to wait expectantly. The question now is, well, what does it look like? How, how do we do this? Number one is wait expectantly. David says to wait twice, at the beginning of verse 14 and at the end of verse 14. The word wait in this verse is not a passive type of waiting where it's simply you not doing anything and you receive something passively. It's also not the passionate type where you're kind of going all over the place to try to find something that's going to suit your needs, that sounds good. It's a patient waiting that is active, clear as mud right? It is a patient waiting that is active. And it is active because in waiting, we are seeking the Lord. I want you to consider the entire psalm. From the beginning, let's go to verse one through three. I'm not going to read everything, but I'll read chunks psalm 27 verse 1 the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is my stronghold in my life of whom shall i be afraid down to verse 4 of one thing i have asked of the lord that i will seek after him so david is active as he turns and waits for the lord he also seeks the lord He seeks his face. In verse 8, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. He is turning toward the character of God, but he is waiting by seeking the Lord. He waits by lamenting. He waits with humility. Go to verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. You know, we talked about that last week, that his, his posture of humility, where he's saying, teach me. So he's coming under the, the, the authority of the Lord. But in addition to that, he says, teach me your way. Not give me options, not tell me what I want to hear. He says, teach me your way. And we unpack what it could mean. It could mean that he would grow in his relationship with the Lord. It could mean that he's asking the Lord to, hey, reveal my sin to me right now. How often do we actually approach the Lord as we wait by seeking Him and asking, reveal my sin. Reveal my heart right now. David waits patiently by seeking the Lord in prayer, opening up with verse 1 that we looked at by turning to him and praying back to God his promises. Throughout the entire psalm, he's constantly looking at the character of God. In verse 9, he says, "'Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation.'" He's constantly turning to the character of God. He's constantly praying back to God his promises. When David writes, wait for the Lord, there is not only desperation, but dependence. Knowing that God will act. Again, he doesn't know when, he doesn't know how, but he is confident and he is sure. Go to verse 2. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes stumble and fall. How do they stumble and fall? David is looking to the past to see what God has done for him so that he would find comfort in the present and have confidence moving forward. Waiting patiently by seeking the Lord reveals your heart. David isn't just sitting around. David isn't jumping to all sorts of things. He waits patiently by seeking the Lord. And in so doing, it reveals his heart. And that's true for you and I. Waiting patiently by seeking the Lord reveals your heart. Number two, draw strength and courage from the Lord here's what's interesting about this little phrase in verse 14 right he writes wait for the Lord be strong and let your heart take courage here's what's interesting about it strength and courage are results of waiting strength and courage are the results of waiting See, in waiting, we turn to the goodness of the Lord, and as we seek Him, we may receive more clarity. Now, that might not necessarily be clarity about your circumstance. That might not even mean that your circumstance or season ends today. But it does mean that you may receive clarity on the condition of your heart. Clarity on what or who or where you have really been grounded in. And Psalm 27 teaches us that as we bring that before the Lord, as our hearts are revealed and we bring that before the Lord, our hearts are strengthened. It is similar to what the Apostle Paul tells the Colossians as to why he's writing to them, so that their hearts may be encouraged. And the same thing is said for us through Psalm 27. Waiting patiently for the Lord by seeking Him strengthens our hearts. And finally, number three, worship as you wait. Worship as you wait. When you look at verse 14 as a whole, he's saying, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. He's not saying, let my heart take courage. He's saying, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. In other words, he's rallying people around him to turn toward the character of God. He's rallying people around him to even consider the sovereignty of God. That nothing happens outside of his sovereign grace. That the season or in spite of the season or circumstance or hardship or daily struggle that you might find yourself in, it is not outside his sovereign grace. And so he invites us to worship the Lord in spite of that circumstance. You see, the sovereignty of God is not just a point of theological clarity, but it is a point of worship. And so he invites us to worship the beauty, the splendor of our sovereign God. Waiting patiently for the Lord by seeking him leads us to worship him. And so when we look back to the question, what does it mean to wait for the Lord? It means to wait expectantly, to have your heart strengthened, and to worship God. I know that waiting is difficult. I know that it feels as though sometimes you cannot stand another moment, another day, or another week because of the hardship. And I know sometimes it feels as though all we're doing is crying out to God relentlessly and that we feel alone. But let me assure you that you are not alone. Just as God assures you through Psalm 27, you are not alone. In your season of waiting, let me me exhort you to put on the table the reality of your heart this morning. Let me exhort you to put it all on the table. Let me exhort you to pray, God, reveal the depth of my heart this morning. And at the same time, let me encourage you by reminding you that Jesus is with you. And there is assurance in that truth as Jesus experienced violent hardship. And I know that even hearing that, many might say, yeah, I know the gospel, but here's the thing. If that tends to be our response, then we don't know the gospel You see, in Jesus experiencing violent hardship, check it, he didn't just experience that so that we would be redeemed, you know, bought out of our bondage to our sin, but he did that so that we would be reconciled to the Father. That you, Christian, you have access to the Father through Jesus That you can come before him in confidence to receive mercy and grace. That the cries of your heart will be heard because you have access to the Father through Jesus. See, Jesus experienced the violent hardship, not just so that his deity and his glory would be uh, uh, shown before us, but so that he would demonstrate sympathy. The author of Hebrews says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. Jesus gets hardship, and he doesn't just get it at the cross. He gets it throughout his life. And so he can come alongside you. He does come alongside you. Like a really good friend who says, I get it, but means it. See, Jesus experienced violent hardship not just so that we would, okay, get how to wait or so that we would draw some kind of abstract strength, but so that we would find comfort through the Holy Spirit. Christian, you, if you belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in you. His his role, his, His function is to bring counsel and comfort and even conviction. So whether you're in a season right now, coming out of one, or one is on the horizon, Jesus is with you. And in Him, you can find conviction, comfort, and confidence as you wait patiently by seeking Him. So Christian, church, how do you wait for the Lord? Straight up. Do you don't have to answer me right now? How do you wait for the Lord? Are you passive? Are you passionate? Or are you patient? What, what rules and reigns your heart this season? What is it? Bring it before the Lord this morning. Pray Psalm 27. It's not just this cool series that we wanted to do. We walked through this series to slow everything down. Pray Psalm 27. Today, tomorrow, Tuesday, if the Lord gives it to us. Pray Psalm 27 this week. And seek the Lord with all your heart. And if you don't know Jesus... I'm really glad that you're here. Really. No joke, no lie, straight up, really glad that you are here. And if you don't know, waiting is worship for you too. And if you stop to consider it, think about this. What does waiting reveal? Whatever it is, apart from the Lord Jesus, it's futile. Even the good things. The Lord Jesus invites you to come and know Him. So repent and believe in the beauty and splendor of the Lord Jesus. Church, waiting patiently for the Lord reveals who and what we worship. My prayer is that it would be the goodness of God in spite of our circumstance. Let's pray. God, as we close our time in this beautiful psalm and in your presence, we confess our sinfulness. We confess our shortcomings and our offenses to you. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways, in rejecting your grace, and in forgetting your love for us. Lord, this morning we pray that you would have mercy on us. We pray that you would forgive our sins we pray that you would help us Holy Spirit to live in your light and walk in your ways for the sake of Jesus Christ our good God and Savior Lord for those who are in seasons of difficulty may they turn toward the goodness of your character Holy Spirit would you bring comfort and counsel to them For those who have come out of a season, Lord, we praise You for the work done in them during that time. And for those who are entering a new season, new season, Lord, would You keep them and draw them closer to You, Lord? May we wait patiently as we seek Your face. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you this morning. Amen.